Yeah, I gotta be careful. I can't keep be dropping f bombs all the time. <laughs> Don't ruin the show, Brooke. Your your name on the screen right now literally says Brooke MF and West. <laughs> I can't correct fate. <laughs> oh my god, that was <laughs> unbelievable. Welcome back to another episode of Health Unfiltered. My name is Brooke, and I am joined by Ro and Nicole. Why is everyone laughing? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's just the way you, you were like, and... She, she, she like, had to take a <laughs> moment. <laughs> you literally closed sure your eyes. <laughs> my tonality is on point. <laughs> to be fair, Brooke was like... Oh, I'm ready. I'm already a wine glass deep. And I'm like, okay. So she's going to be sitting like closer to her mic as we get to like, oh yeah. Uh, what are these questions we have today? Honestly, when Rose starts laughing at whatever we're saying and he's like grabbing his chest, one day uh, he really is going to be dying and we're just not going to know. I just try not to, like, yeah, I try not to snort into the mic. I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> Uh, yep. Hello, happy Good. Sunday. Happy Sunday, nice. friends. <sighs> how's this how's your Sunday's been? It is Sunday, right? I've been yep. really productive. Yes, mm-hmm. today's Sunday. <laughs> okay, relax, Brooke. I didn't ask if you were productive. I asked if how You said how was today? I said, Yeah, productive. well make me feel bad because I think Listen, I laid in bed for like three hours and just was like, eh, it's Sunday. Like, we haven't have we anything. haven't brought this into the podcast yet, but if anyone listening knows anything about their Enneagram numbers, Brooke's a one oh my and God. ones love productivity. <laughs> <laughs> they do. I don't remember what am I? What was I? An, You're an, an eight. eight. Oh, and I'm a what was it? Uh, a debater, a master debater is is Eight what is... I think I called myself. Yeah, I think it was that. I'm I'm gonna look it up, but okay. Well, keep talking. Oh. <laughs> what are you, Nicole? I am the a, most lovey dovey Enneag- shit. <laughs> I'm an Enneagram too, which is the helper. Yep. Yeah. Like I said. Oh, and Enneagram Eight is known as the Challenger. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Right. Well, Nailed that's gonna right. go. That's gonna go to his head. <laughs> no, I, I remember I was like swamped with work, and you're like, "Hey, I need you to do this real quick." I was like, "I don't know what it is this." And you're like, "Oh, it's just like an easy, easy <laughs> survey." And then like 40 minutes later, it's like, <laughs> "Oh, like, <laughs> here's stuff that you already knew about yourself." I was like, "What a productive way <laughs> to waste my day." No, Ro, you need to know about yourself um, oh because that God. creates healthy, healthy habits and healthy relationships. <sighs> Self love is best love. That's what Nicole tells herself. All right, so <gasps> let's. <laughs> I am signing off. Have a great day. <laughs> She's like pounding the drink. She's like, oh, I'm going to need another one of these. This is why we can't be in person because we would just punch row 24-7. Yeah, I'd get slapped in the face all the time. <laughs> so it's okay. Anyway, Brooke, what are you drinking today? I am drinking a red wine blend from Argentina. Ooh. I don't know the name of it, but it's pretty good. What's that song? Don't cry for me. Ar- is that Argentina? Is that I don't, don't cry for me? Ar- anyway, uh, <laughs> what, what about you, Nicole? I am drinking also a red wine. It's called Han. 
Han. Han. Is that a Pinot Noir? Yes. It is from... Of course. Uh, California. It's <laughs> 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 like, oh, it, other side of the world is California. <laughs> see. Some I myself... Cher- some black cherry notes. <laughs> oh, my. So fancy. <laughs> I have a beer called Mountain Standard IPA. It's from... Odell Brewing, which I think is from, oh, Fort Collins, Colorado again. So nice. <clears throat> yeah, I hope it's good. It's an India pale ale, but we'll see. Oh, you know, when you smell a beer and you're like, that's really hoppy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's exactly what just hit my nose. We so. love the hop. Yeah, it's really hoppy. Hops. Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> was not ready for that <laughs> oh no that didn't sound like a good like uh, too uh yeah i mean it's like it's like it's 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 all right it's definitely the least favorite i've had so far <laughs> so anyone from mountain brewing or mountain standard <laughs> if you're listening just uh send me or uh recommend me a different flavor is that a is that the right word Brew? Sure. A, a, a brew? Yeah. I don't know. Flavor. Yeah. What do they a different call that? Beer? Yeah, yeah, I don't know, right? Like, you don't walk up like, what what flavors do you guys have? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't soda. Yeah. I guess a different beer, but I'll drink it. It's good. Nicole and I went to a really strange, I don't remember the name of it, Nicole, do you? The place we went to in Asheville last time we were there. They had the craziest things I've ever heard of. Like they had these milkshake IPAs, like fr- a Fruit Loops oh, one. that little microbrewery. The little choo-choo one. Mm-hmm. Choo-choo. <laughs> it had like this cute, it was, they literally repurposed um, a part of a train into a brewery. So follow-up question. Every time you see a train, do you, do you say, oh, look at that choo-choo coming well, through? Well, okay. For, um, I'm going to stick up for myself. But, <laughs> okay. um, <laughs> one of my friends has precious little baby, and I see her almost on a daily basis because I go over there and walk their dog, whatever. And they have a train that passes right in like through their backyard, basically. And every time it goes by, they're always like, look, the choo-choo. <laughs> and so I feel like I have <laughs> that in like ingrained in my head. And I'm like, oh, yeah, choo-choo okay. train. <laughs> so to answer your question, Ro, that's a yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I'm like, I have to go to the bathroom. And Nicole's like, do you have to use a doo-doo? Like, okay. <laughs> cool. It's like, sorry, I just deal with children and you're a child. (laughs) You know, we got to we got to keep the spirit alive. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Good times. (laughs) Should we get to the question of the week? Let's do it. Do it. So this question of the week comes from my cousin, Mike Phillips. Shout out. To all my family out there, well, now everyone's all over the country, but um, originally from Mississippi, and we met and hung out at Mississippi State as adults, which is cool. Anyways, enough him. about my life story. I, I swear, <laughs> I swear you did. I swear, I swear you did. You but met, I could be yeah, very you wrong. You had to have met the Phillips. I don't. Yeah, I you don't definitely know. met Todd. Todd. So Todd is the younger brother. See, was it like I have a really big family mo- though? One of those mimosa breakfast. <laughs> Like, Probably, uh, maybe shindig. Friendsgiving, 
If you were at Friendsgiving. I was wasn't at one. Friendsgiving. We weren't friends I don't, back then. I don't so. think Ro came to like any of our parties. <laughs> we were like grandmas by the time Ro met us. Yeah, you guys are also just not fun people, so whatever. <clears throat> I was I was off hanging with all my cool friends, so Ro was off being a hoe. Okay. Okay, okay relax. You knew, she was, you knew she was gonna call you out. Alright. Anyway, so, moving on from that question. Back to Mike Phillips's question. Um, he said, I like to lift, I like to run. On days where I've planned to do one or the other, how should I fuel or eat differently? Running on a full stomach hits different than lifting. Mm-hmm. Ain't that the truth? Mm-hmm. Who runs? This is a good question. Who runs? (laughs) They're all runners. His brother and his dad, they run Mm -hmm. a lot. Oh, what a great episode for them then, because I'm going to talk about why running sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then maybe you'll have good news for me. I don't like running. Uh, Remember that time, side note, where they thought I run this, they they thought I won the six mile race. But really, I didn't win the six-mile race. I gave up, and I only did three miles, and I cut the no. loop short. I thought it was the oh half mile. They got, like, something wrong with the chips, and they <laughs> at the end of this race, where bro, Brooke literally had to be coerced to, fini- to finish with biscuits. She did. Nicole promised me biscuits if I finish. And then at the end, all of a sudden, you hear this announcement that Brooke West is the winner. And I was like, no, Brooke West. Like, damn, she really wanted those damn biscuits. (laughs) And so at her like birthday party or whatever, not a birthday party, I really sound like I'm 12 today, but it's fine. Um, (laughs) Everyone was like, oh, yeah, Brooke, you won the race. (laughs) <laughs> and it was just so funny. I think Mike was texting me like, cuz you got to get back here. Like they're announcing you to get your trophy and your award. And I was like, no, no, no. This is a big mistake. <laughs> big mistake. Oh my Wasn't there like a money prize too? And you were like, I can't accept this. I think there was. Oh, like you get thing. free tuition. You're like, oh, it's going to be really hard for me not to, not to tell the truth here. Uh, let's answer this question. Good All times. Right. Sorry. <clears throat> anyway. Do I need to close my eyes and refocus like I did before? (laughs) Uh, So you definitely nailed it on the head, Mike, that the timing is going to be different based on your GI tolerance. And that's totally normal that you need to get your pre-workout fuel in when you're running way ahead of time versus when you're lifting. You're just going to tolerate different things. And there's no magic formula for that part. It's really just what you can tolerate. And it sounds like you're already pretty aware through experience. So go with what your gut says literally on that one. As far as the type of fuel, the focus in each scenario should be easily digestible carbs. If you're going to be eating right before, I would just scale back the running to be 60 to 90 minutes pre-workout versus when you're lifting, you might be able to get away with something on your stomach 30 minutes before, uh, not a big deal. So just play around with that timing there. When it comes to post-workout, there is a difference in the way fueling is recommended. Post-workout for endurance, it's actually recommended to have about a four-to-one ratio of carbs to protein. So this looks like an application, about 40 grams of carb with 10 grams of protein. And after strength training, it's a little bit different, and we want a two-to-one ratio of carbs to protein. So this is looking something like 40 grams of carb with 20 grams of protein. And obviously, kind of what those exact numbers look like will depend on your individual needs. But that's just to give you a direction 
so that you can kind of experiment and see what works best for you and your workouts. So great answer. Um, I do have a question though. What kind of carb would you tell someone to eat before they run? And why banana, is it Rice Krispies? Banana, banana. And why is it Rice Krispies? Why is it Rice Krispies? <laughs> I never recommend Rice Krispies and candy, but I do think I understand your decision. Up. I understand your decision. You know, really, my go-to recommendation now is applesauce. So easy to digest. Um, And I've seen a lot of my clients have success with the applesauce strategy. We just, like, scale back and usually mix different kind of carbs. So, yeah, because my uh, old professor, my mentor, uh, Dr. Smith, who I think is our next guest, I don't remember, uh, talked about or had a presentation on, like, fueling. Um, cause carbs are his thing. And I remember somebody asked about like, uh, you know, w- what kind of fruits should I eat? And he said, oh, well, if we're looking at like performance and getting the carbohydrates there as fast as possible, um, you want something that doesn't have like fiber that'll s- slow it down. And so that's why he's more into kind of sugar, uh, Rice Krispies, obviously not Rice Krispies, that's just me, but like Gatorade and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then someone said like, well, what if I'm trying to say all like natural? And he was like, well, I think that honey is probably the, the closest thing. Uh, I don't know how like dense honey Do is. Do they mean all natural as in like they don't want processed Yeah, you know, food? whatever whatever people think all natural means to them. But yeah, something that doesn't, that <laughs> isn't like candy and isn't like, I, yeah, I guess process. And Got he it. said, well, honey, because that's probably the most like a natural gooey substance that's just like pure sugar um but and this is for running no it, it, i mean i think generally running but just like carbohydrates as a fuel source before you do any sort of work and they're wanting yeah. the honey before they run or like mm-hmm. okay yeah yeah because it's got no fiber in it you know so it just yeah moves a lot quicker definitely low low fiber low fat uh, really focusing on easy digestion because that will not be fun to have a whole bunch of fiber sitting in your stomach and then running. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah, going to be uh, stopping at the porta potty at my You know what seven. has a lot of fiber in it? Bananas, which is why you shouldn't eat bananas. Oh okay. my God. When I Let's ran, I ate a banana every time I ran. There, yeah, there's I, not that much fiber. <laughs> <laughs> I will say though, quit uh, acting like you know, Brooke. If you if you had a banana before your six mile race and you won it, I guess I guess we can't <laughs> say that bananas are bad. So who knows what we? No did. one I, was saying know, that, but you. <laughs> I grew up a swimmer, so like running on land. Not only is it hard for me, I look awkward. It's just not a good experience. <laughs> on land. Yeah. That's what I was not... like. I was like, what? She's it's like, just like, not for me. I, I can run not... in the air, though. I'm a fucking bird. I was man. not meant for the land. <laughs> I am actually Ariel from under yeah, the sea. I'm fucking Ariel over here. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's uh... anyway. Anyway, <laughs> I feel like that's a great segue because you're going to tell us why I don't need to run on land, right? Yeah, Is that what yeah, you're going to yeah. tell us today? I mean, I I think it's a little more nuanced than that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're we're definitely going to get into why running sucks, and if you hate it, you don't have to have to do it. 
Congratulations, by the way, to the most highly educated person on this podcast. Robo <laughs> is officially published. Thank Look at him you. Cheesing. I'm so happy. Cheers to Robo. Is, uh, cheers, cheers to you all. It's funny. We, uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of work. Um, but <laughs> as soon as it got published, I, I remember getting an email at like 5:30 a.m. and my like wrist vibrates, and I was like, oh my god, what is this? And it was like JSCR decision, and I was like, oh f. So I jump out of bed, like read the email and I like read it over, read it over again. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm finally, finally a real scientist. (laughs) So so I like wake up Casey and I'm like, Casey, like, Hey, like they accepted my, they accepted my manuscript. And she was just like, why are you waking me up? And I was like, no, no, like, this is like, this is very exciting for me. And like, I'm very happy. I'm very happy. And she was like, Okay, just kind of went back to bed, and I remember just laying there, like, with like a smile on my face, but also being like, "Oh man, nobody cares except for me." <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes. But That's yeah, so it's... depressing. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Like, you hype stuff up, but it's like really only matters to to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, well, yeah, she woke think, up. Uh, people don't know how much goes into yeah, it. Like, for sure. I didn't even know until you and my friend Sarah told me all the many process, like. I think you have to go through all these reviews and all this yeah. stuff. It's not just like, oh, here's a paper, put it in a magazine. It's not like yeah. that. Yeah, I wish. But also, like, think about all the shitty papers like you've written or like have read, and you're like, oh, thank God, thank God, this is not out there. Uh, yeah, it was a, uh, it was cool. I, I remember reviewer one left some really great comments that I think helped to make it a lot stronger. Reviewer two is like. Uh, we already know everything about this. Uh, I also don't think it adds anything. And I was oh. like, all right. That is uh, not cool, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think our edits kind of saved the day. So, but nice. it, yes, it's cool. I am unpublished, which is fun. Is so fun. we're talking all about cardio and hopefully why I don't need to do as much as I think I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, so. It's like called cardiometabolic resistance training, and it's really like how to mix resistance training so that you get the benefits of cardio without having to do like an hour on a treadmill or um you know things that you might think in your head are strictly cardio because let's face it like think about how many people like actually enjoy running and then how many people just do it because they kind of have to because that's what they've been told uh i like to think about it as like four options like when you ask people like why do you run or why do you do cardio it's like one, I enjoy it, and the heart health benefits are just a plus. Those people are uh, murderers, and they should not be out in society. Uh, two, I don't enjoy it, but I do it because I kind of like have to, right, for the heart health benefits. There's three, I don't do cardio, and then I don't do it because I hate it. And I think three and four are different because three is just like, yeah, I just like don't do it. I don't have a problem with it. I just whatever. But four is where it's like it's it's painful for me, or I just really hate it. I get no enjoyment. Things like that. So question, which one are you, Roe and Nicole? <sighs> you know, <laughs> uh, I think I, I think I fall into uh, probably, I don't know. You know, when I think about it, I'm like, maybe there's a fifth option because I would be <laughs> the fifth option. Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't enjoy it, but I like, I do it. But I don't know if it's because I have, I guess I'm, I guess I'm the second option. I do it because I kind of have to. Like, you know, you should kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. One of those things. 
I think I would that, agree with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I really tried to assess what it is I'm in the mood for that day and what my body's kind of feeling like. And then I base my movement off of that. And of course there are days where my energy's lower and I've scheduled a workout that's probably like, say it's a kickboxing workout and that's mainly cardio. I still like go do it and enjoy it and all things, but there's still days where I enjoy it more than other days. So I really just try to approach it. If I'm feeling it and I have the energy, I'm going to go for it. But if I'm not feeling it, then I'm going to do something else. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's a really good way to uh, like plan what your movement is. Um, and it's, it's great that you're not like stuck on some program where you're like, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I can think about maybe two times in my life where I've been like, I really feel like running right now. And it was when my ankle was <laughs> mm-hmm. broken and I couldn't run. And so wow. it was just like, I just want to do something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll ever be like, you yeah, let's go for a run right now. Mm-hmm. Like that is <laughs> disgusting to, to put it lightly, but I mean, I think our preferences change because there was a time in my life where that's pretty much all I did was run and I did love it. And of course there was days that I woke up and didn't want to do that long run, but I had signed up for a race that required me to put in that training. And so I kind of just did it, but there did come a point where I was just over it and I was, and I didn't enjoy it anymore. So I kind of had to reassess and realize, all right, what are some other ways I can move my body so I don't get so burnt out because I do enjoy movement and I want to keep strengthening my body and my endurance or whatever. Yeah. Can I, can I ask what, what led you to running initially? Like, um, I mean, it's always going to, it's always going to come back to that mentality of I need to lose weight. And when I got into running, it was when I was about a senior in high school and approaching undergrad. And I just, um, I had just gone through like a really bad breakup and wanted to get in shape, whatever, lose weight. And that was kind of my cycle or like getting into working out in the first place was solely based on me wanting to change my body. And then once I got into it, I realized how powerful and amazing our bodies are and really it just took me down this, you know, long road that had so many different avenues. And I was like, oh, wait, I can lift weights and I can go rock climbing or I can kickbox or I can do this or whatever it is. And, but yeah, initially it was just weight loss. Yeah. Uh, also, how many, I mean, how many of our listeners have, uh, have gotten into lifting just, just to get a, like that revenge bot, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, oh, whatever, they broke my heart, but I'm going to, I'm going to come back better. It's like, yeah, that's a, it's a great catalyst to, <laughs> to get into working out. And then I just ended up injured and I'm like, cool. <laughs> okay. Okay. So perfect segue, right? Because <laughs> that, that's why I asked is because I think, uh, for some reason when, when people are like, oh, I need to get into shape. They just think like I have to run, right? And mm-hmm. I've never really understood it. I, again, I, I was never one who's like said, I, I want to run. My thing was always lifting weights. But I think it was because my cousin was like, hey, you should lift weights. And I was not good at running anyway. So I was like, cool, I'll do that instead. But there's a ton of people that I think their first instinct is like, I have to run to lose weight. Um, and I don't really under understand that. 
when I think about it, I think it's because running is like a very natural movement, or at least it should be, right? Like we're we're literally built to run and and walk. So mm-hmm. I should walk faster or run, and like that'll get me healthier. It'll get me to lose weight. It'll get me stronger, whatever. But there's so many people that uh, really have no business running <laughs> for a lot of reasons. Uh, if you've been sedentary for like one, two, three, four, five years, and you're like, I'm going to pick up running, right? And you just go right into running, RIP to your joints, like RIP to, to your your health in general, because you're just going to like mash your body away because you don't have like the requisite strength to to hold your body one and then to do it step after step after step for a prolonged period of time. Um, and so I think that that's why like, I'm not that I'm super, I mean, I think I'm against running as a as a preference but like that that's a huge thing for me is that people think they have to run to get all these benefits and they don't right so this is great news yeah yeah (laughs) you're like perfect i don't ever want to run ever again uh but you know it's like if you want to be a better runner of course you have to run but if you just want to be healthy and strong and fit like yeah there's no reason for you to just take up running like out of nowhere uh, especially if you haven't done anything for a really, really long time. Um, and I, I think that there was a a doctor here, a physical therapist here in New Mexico who uh, works at the performance ranch <clears throat> or is like housed there. She works for Elite OSM. Uh, but she she mentioned that so many people were coming in during quarantine with all these injuries because yep. people who have never worked out before, who now have the time to, just went on to... Mm-hmm. bodybuilding.com or runner's world or whatever. And we're like, I'm going to pick up something. And they just got smashed. I mean, we're talking like knee pain, hip pain, mm-hmm. right? Shoulder pain for lifting. Because like, I'm sorry, you don't have any, you haven't earned the right to 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 just go out there and, and act like you are a normal functioning person when you've been sitting for eight hours a day, five days a week for the past 10 years or five years or whatever it is. Um, and I think that that's like a, a huge thing to think about as we move forward um, with the podcast, but also like thinking about what it is that you do in your, in your life and why you chose a specific route to fitness. Um, but yeah, it's a huge thing. I have a question and I don't really think this is in our lineup, but you, it just kind of came to mind. Um, so, I follow a couple people on social media who are physical therapists or mm-hmm. mobility and strength coaches. And some of the things that they're able to do in their mobility and their strength, I'm like, how in the world do you move your body like that? And obviously <laughs> I know it takes time and consistency and whatnot, but like you said, our you know, like we're made to move. Our bodies were made to do all of these different things resulting in movement. And you just mentioned like, you know, obviously as a generation, we sit more than we ever have. How much movement should be in our daily routine? Because I've even read that even if you do work out for 45 minutes to an hour every single day, that's still not enough movement in the grand scheme of things if you are sitting for eight to 10 hours the rest of the day. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's like a a really 
it's a really good question with a lot of nuance, right? Because it depends on what you're doing in that 45 minutes to an hour. Because if you're like, yeah, I'm exercising for an hour. And if it's just you like walking, like that's really great. And like you, you have, um, you're training yourself to be able to, to walk for longer distances and you can do that. But like, that doesn't mean that you now have the strength or the ability to climb your roof and rip off tiles and fix it or, mm-hmm. you know, move furniture from one end to to the other. Like you're probably going to get hurt, maybe not then, but like if you do it over time um, or, you know, you just have like one, one bad pull and then like your back is out for two, three days or a week or two. Um, so, so that that's the first thing that the second thing is like yeah i mean think about it in in that hour of working out right let's say you sleep for eight hours a night okay so that means you have first of all who's it who's doing that uh, except Me. for nicole, nicole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah except for you but okay so you have 16 hours of like you doing activity or whatever mm-hmm. uh if you work a nine to five what is that eight hours as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you're pretty much sitting for for the most of the time so it leaves you eight hours of time to do whatever else if you work out for an hour and then the other seven hours you're like watching tv or you know playing games with a friend or your significant other just kind of not really doing much then yeah of of course an hour is not going to do really anything um for you in the grand scheme of things but if you take those those seven hours and like you're you're also going for a walk or you're you know parking very far from the entrance so that you can get a couple extra steps in and stuff like that, I think that over time uh, gets you to to move more and then you realize you feel better and then you start to like proactively wake up a little earlier so you can go on more walks and have more time to stretch and do things like that. Then I think that's when you start to like really get the benefits of moving and exercise uh because yeah those people that are able to pretty much contort their bodies in any way they want is because they've spent hours and years like perfecting their craft um and some of them sit in a squat for 10 minutes a day just to Mm -hmm. kind of make sure that they they have the ability to do it um but if you go from sitting to power cleaning and squatting and then coming back to sit like what are you doing you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess I just think about how not that long ago, most of our jobs were very physical and on our feet and moving and doing physical labor. And I mean, how now even, you know, that was you know, 30, 40 years ago. And as we continue to evolve and we are in this very technology-based society and we are in our homes and everything is just, it's able to be done in a more efficient way that doesn't really require a lot of physical labor. How do we compensate for that? Because obviously individuals who came before us were moving so much more than we are now. And yes, like there's all these new ways to move our bodies and exercise or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, our jobs just don't require it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, my, my, my grandpa used to, used to shit on us for going to the gym. Cause he's like, well, we never went to the gym. Mm-hmm. Like we were, yeah. we were strong and we were fit. 
They're like, yeah, you did farm work for 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, of course you were fit. Like you had no other choice. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think it's funny that, of course, when, when we moved into quarantine, like Casey and I put money down on a, on a home gym because I was like, I'm going to lose my freaking mind. But like, it's mm -hmm. not really something that you you need, right? You don't need barbells. You don't need pull-up bars. You don't really need equipment. Like if you can run, if you can pick up something heavy, if you can pick up something heavy fast, and then if you can pick up something heavy and move it, like regardless of what it is, like that's all, that's all lifting is. It's just more structured and easier when you have barbells, um, you know, sandbags and things like that. But yeah, my, my great uh, grandpa lived to be like 92 and he was like mm -hmm. bailing hay until he was 90 because he just didn't stop. And that's, that's the thing. Once we stop, yeah. our body's like, cool, it's time to, it's time to cash out. We've had a long life <laughs> or short mm -hmm. life, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's like, that that's a really good question to ask. It's good to understand that we're just like as a species moving into this time where we're sitting so much and, and I'm 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 never gonna be that guy that's like, you know, you have to walk fifteen thousand steps a day and whatever, blah, blah, because you know, I don't know what to do for work. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you have to like you have to sit and code for ten hours straight. So you have to make sure that there's a plan in place to to deal with that. Um but regardless, if you move, however it is, you are going to to feel better. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that does lead into what we're talking about because we can there's there's a an efficient way to do things so you can get the biggest bang for your buck. And it's not just like I need seven days of training. It's like, mm -hmm. well, if you have like a really structured three days, like you might not need to to set all that time aside to to work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you mentioned that running and walking is a very natural movement. What are some other reasons that you think people draw to running so much? I don't know. Like I said, I think it's just like the, the natural thing. People think it's mm -hmm. natural. Um, it is kind of, uh, I wouldn't say it's easy to learn because if you have like a really messed up gait pattern, like you can kind of mess yourself up even more. Um, but but I think a lot of it when I when I look at like the academia side is that there's so much research on running because exercise physiology was so based in um, endurance training before that they would be like oh you don't need to resistance train like it stiffens your joints you lose flexibility you don't want to be like big and bulky it makes you slow um, like all these these things that now in 2020 it's like no that doesn't make any sense like we we know that you should be resistant training you we know that you should be lifting weights so i think the paradigm is definitely shifting uh we're seeing more research in resistance training as well um but when there's more science saying you should be doing this kind of running or this kind of interval training whatever then media outlets pick it up and they write articles about it and so people see and read like oh you should be running and whatever. I also think running has such a low barrier to entry. It's like mm -hmm. free, essentially. You just yeah. need a pair of shoes. And so I think maybe that's also why people gravitate towards it because it's like, Absolutely. oh, I don't need to have a fancy gym membership or spend a ton of money. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's probably a point that I missed that is maybe more relevant to uh, to it than the, the science part. Because you're right. You get it. I mean, how many times you bought like new running shoes and you're like, 
oh, I'm going to be so active. Like <laughs> I can't wait to get out there and strut my stuff, you know? Um, and it's like 60 to a hundred dollars, depending on the shoe you buy. But like a, a barbell itself, a good one will cost like 200 plus dollars, you know, like bumper plates are a buck 50 a pound and stuff like that. So that's a, that's a really good, really good point. Sorry, I burped. <laughs> <laughs> so why do you think it's important then that we strength train? Like, obviously we recognize now that, and research does too, that it's important we do it, but why is that important throughout life? Yeah. Um, so like we talked about, if you, even if you want to run, like you have to be strong enough to carry yourself. Like you have to be strong enough to load not only your body, but like the excessive gravitational force that's imposed on you when you jump and land like you do in like a normal running sequence on one side of your body. So if you're barely strong enough to hold up your body on two legs, like what makes you think you're strong enough to hold it up and more on one leg? Right. So that's that's like the the first thing. And, and I think that relates back to the running. But um, I really think it, it comes down to, you know, of course, everyone wants to like look jacked and they want to look good. And, you know, you need shape, you need muscle for that. Um, otherwise, you know, you, you just kind of like are skinny. And, and we know that like you can be skinny fat and you can be like smaller, but still be very unhealthy because you don't have muscle mass and you're not strong. Um, but what strength training does is, especially for older populations, decreases fall risk. Um, it increases their independence because they're strong enough to go up and down stairs and, you know, move something and they don't have to call their, what are they called? Sons and daughters. Uh, every time that they need <laughs> something, right? Yeah. I'm like, well, I don't know what, what it is. Um, These children things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, she's my mom. She's your daughter. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> and, and like their quality of life just generally increases, but that's not just for older people, right? That's, that's everyone, right? If you are strong enough to, to move a couch or be able to pick up a table, that means that on a whim, you can be like, I don't like the way this room looks and you can move things by yourself. Right. Or, uh, you know, a storm comes through and you have to start picking up stuff like, cool, you're strong enough to do that. Um, but really like we see increases in strength, muscular power, muscle mass, speed, like all the things that have to do with athleticism and even just like life and being able to carry yourself through it. They all stem from strength training. So does that mean you don't have to do cardio? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you're like the important question. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, you should do it, right? But that doesn't mean that like you have to run or that you have to bike for endless hours. Um, but when you, when you like pull back and think about like, what, is, what does cardio mean to you too? Um, I think it means anything that gets your heart rate up over a certain threshold, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think of something that I'm really exerting myself. I'm out of breath. I, I guess that's what I associate with cardio. It's like I'm biking really hard. I'm running really hard. I'm doing something steady state or I guess high intensity intervals or some type of interval that's getting me out of breath, I guess is what I associate it with. I'm like, yeah, yeah. cool, I just walked up the stairs. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, oh my God. They, they keep adding Never steps. doing that again. They keep adding <laughs> steps to this thing. I need to put an elevator in my house. Uh, 
Yeah. It, I mean, cardio really is just like making your heart work at a higher rate. Right? You're doing something that makes you work harder. Um, and specific to cardio, most people think that it's like, like you said, Brooke, like for extended periods of time, right? I'm going to run four miles. That's going to take me at least a half hour of movement. Cool. Even if you do like intervals, right? Yeah. You might sprint for 10 minutes or 15, or sorry, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, but you still want to be taking, you know, two, three, four, five minutes off. So if you do that four or five times, it's still like a half hour, but you're doing, you know, higher work at a shorter amount of time that theoretically equals out the long duration. Um, and you can do cardio with weights, you know, and, and I think that's like, that's like the, the main takeaway right now, but at the end of the podcast as well, is that like, when you do work, when you lift weights and they're heavy enough or they're, they're long enough sets, like your heart's pumping. It's not like you just sit there and you're like, yeah, this is like really easy. Like, no, have you ever done 20 reps of anything? It's miserable. It takes in a minute, you know, to do it. Mm -hmm. You're like heaving and, and huffing and it burns. Not, it burns. Yeah. And if you have like weight on your back, right, it's harder to breathe just because you're fighting the gravity of the weight on you. So, you know, it, it's really like, counterintuitive to think that resistance training isn't just like a really low form of cardio, uh, at least uh, the traditional sense of like, you know, you do work for 20, 30 seconds, however long it takes you to do five, eight reps, and then you take two to three minutes off, whatever your program tells you to. Um, but but that's that's all that like cardio is, you know, like you are doing it as you lift. Um, so then the question is like always like well doesn't doesn't cardio kill gains like i i know that when i was like really getting into bodybuilding and stuff i was told like don't do any sort of cardio and in my mind i'm like well, fuck yeah i don't have to do cardio and i'm going to get bigger mm -hmm. like why wouldn't i do that um but uh, there's just so much misconception when it comes to cardio killing gains and i think that in the scientific community we're moving past that um, or at least thinking it's not as big of a deal as we thought before, but there's still so many gym bros and hardos that are like, oh, you can't do it, bro. Like you're oh. going to lose that peak on your bicep. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're breaking a lot of bros hearts right now. <laughs> I know. Well, but also, you know, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I, I've been there before and, and it, and it's great. And, and I, I understand it too, because if let's say you can only afford a certain amount of food. Right. And you're like, this puts me at a caloric surplus. I, I literally cannot afford to eat more. I'm like, okay, well, then you need to decrease your activity. Fine. Cut out cardio. You know, I don't know how many people that like really applies to, but it is some, there's something to be said about you doing cardio, you expending energy, and then you putting yourself kind of in a catabolic state instead of being at a caloric surplus where you might build mass. Um, but really, it's just that people are wrong <laughs> about it yeah yeah i mean i think there's a lot of a lot of myths out there just like with anything else in the health world and we could do a whole episode on bro science myths that'd be fun exactly that would be that'd be really fun because yeah. like you said bro or i mean i think we've talked about this before of one person looks super jacked and for whatever reason everything that that person's doing just like works for them and then mm -hmm. everybody around them is like well it worked for him so it's gonna work for me yeah and that's just not true yeah it's it's hardly ever true right yeah. or it's gonna work but not to the degree where 
where it happened for them. Um, I mean, yeah. if I ever wake up and we're in a world where we're all ripped and jacked, I'm going to be really, really surprised. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal, right? Everyone, everyone should I, be the same. I drink a lot of wine. <laughs> yeah, well, you can do both, you know? Uh, True. A socialist paradise where everyone is jacked. My dream. <laughs> so no, weird. Now the capitalists are going to come after me like, you want to know why you're wrong? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but but I, I think I, I digging deeper into like the science of it is like um, there, there's really two like really big pathways in our body. And it's like the PGC1 alpha pathway, which has to do with like endurance training, and then the mTOR pathway. Um, and I'm sure you all remember... Oh, all of this and it's like very convoluted and we still don't Who? you Who? you two Who remembers well, we this? took biochemistry but like i have ptsd from biochemistry yeah. you liked it you made we, it have, we have been working to forget ro okay okay <laughs> anyway i don't i don't necessarily like biochemistry i like metabolic pathways uh, which uh. are a bit different but uh like i said the pgc1 alpha is is uh really generally about like endurance training and all of the benefits that come with that and then mTOR is like the signal for hypertrophy that comes with resistance training mm -hmm. so how we can activate pgc1 alpha so really what we're saying is how we can get ourselves to be better at endurance training is the metabolic stress uh, that comes with running so you have like increases in lactate vasodilation which is you know if you're working for long periods of time like your veins have to get bigger so they have to pump uh blood through to the muscles um influxes in calcium which is used to to do work continuously with the contraction of muscles um the changes in energy just because you're expending energy and then differences in like hydrogen ions so all of that falls under the umbrella of metabolic stress and all of those things activate pgc1 alpha which leads to angiogenesis which is um an increase in vascular vascularization so you make more veins and and arteries within your body um mitochondrial biogenesis classic powerhouse of the cell right so if you are continuously doing work uh, especially in endurance then you are going to need more powerhouses uh, because you will have more cells, so it's going to increase that. And then things like protein transcription, which is really just filling in little gaps of increasing um, your ability to do work. So that's the PGC1-alpha and endurance pathway. With resistance training, you have like mTOR, and mTOR is like our, our big hypertrophy one. So it's activated by mechanical stress for the most part. Um, so anytime you contract a muscle, so just doing a bicep curl, right? We are activating mTOR. And so that inevitably leads to uh, mRNA biogenesis. So we have the nucleus saying, hey, we have this new signal. Let's make a, a, a message to throw out so that the ribosomes can decode it and say, we need more size, more power, whatever it is. Um, like I said, ribosome biogenesis, and all that stuff leads to hypertrophy. All that stuff leads to strength and power and speed and things like that. So, you know, th those are like the two pathways that we, we think about. And 
when it comes to cardio killing gains, and this is, I'm like, how do we get here? Uh, we were talking about if cardio <laughs> kills gains. Uh, it was thought before that anytime you did cardio, there's a, a, a sensor within the body called uh, AMPK. And this sensor, what it does is just senses differences in energy. So if you start to do work, we break ATP, we have a lot more AMP. So AMP kinase is saying like, whoa, 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 we got to slow down other processes so that we can continue doing this work. So AMPK sends out a signal. Um, I think right now we believe that mostly it's to uh, TS1 or TSC1 and TSC2, and that blocks mTOR. And so when we saw that to begin with, it was like, okay, running is going to kill our gains because we don't have mTOR going. So as I run, I'm not going to get hypertrophy. As I do cardio, I'm not going to get bigger in size. Um, we've learned, learned recently, though, like pretty recently, I think within the past five, 10 years, that yes, that does happen. But mTOR is this giant machine uh, that even if it's turned off in that you know hour after and during work, it's still turned on after. So especially if you're doing resistance training that incorporates both of those. Um, but even after you are doing cardio, the mTOR pathway still gets activated. So it's not like you're completely shutting it off. You're maybe blunting it while you're doing work and for a little bit of time after. But to say that like cardio kills gains because in that one hour mTOR wasn't as active doesn't really make sense like when you when you think about it um and that's that's, that's where it came came from yeah i love pathways it's like it, sometimes i'm like i should get it tattooed on me but then like what happens if you find another pathway and i'm like oh <laughs> this is wrong it's just gonna <laughs> age you it's gonna yeah. be like look at our yeah. ancient <laughs> professor row and i'll be like guys this is what we used to know i promise you <laughs> like okay you're totally wrong like, damn it, Brian, I told you not to tattoo this on me. <laughs> that, okay, that's really interesting. I vaguely remember these metabolic pathways. <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot of what we do is like more application of of things than hey, my remembering the pathways. <laughs> application too. No, I mean, as an RD, like I'm not trying to explain to a client, like, let me tell you about right. mTOR. Like, yeah, they're like, yeah, what? Yeah. That's fair. And like, Honestly, neither am I, right? But Ro, I, if people ask. Touch. No, I'm just like, Ro is getting his PhD so we don't have to. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And there's, there's also so much that like, I don't know. Like, I love that I don't know stuff. Um, but there's so much that even the experts in our field are like, we're just not sure yet. And it's like, oh, okay, then how do you expect me to know this? Um, but like when you put those two pathways together uh, and you think about like the benefits that that come with them, if we are looking at the benefits of cardio and the benefits of resistance training, they both give us decreased fat mass, both uh, increase antioxidant defense, which is why I always like get really angry and people are like, you need these pills, like blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> um, they increase our glycemic control and insulin sensitivity, uh, which is huge for diabetics or people that are pre-diabetic. And I, I think I, I, text, I texted you guys a couple weeks back because uh, what did I what did I learn? That it's not the actual insulin receptor that gets 
uh, more sensitive when you do resistance training, but it's like a downstream pathway. And I was so hyped. I was like, guys, I just learned this. Mm -mm. This is really cool because I'd spent like 40 minutes talking to my professor and you guys were like, nerd. (laughs) Brooke sends like a meme back of like someone falling asleep. She's like, huh? (laughs) I was like, no, this is like really cool. But, but it makes sense, right? Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter to anyone. It just matters that it helps them with their diabetes. It's just like me learning, like, why. I was like, oh, my God, this is so sick. But anyway, like we said, comparing uh, cardio and resistance training both decrease fat mass, increase antioxidant control, um, increase glycemic control, increase insulin sensitivity. And obviously, if you're doing movement, it's going to increase your, like, total daily energy expenditure. Uh, you're going to have decreases in blood pressure just because you're getting healthier, right? You're getting your your heart stronger. Um, and that's all going to lead to an increase in quality of life. So regardless of what you choose, those are two really good things that you probably <laughs> should be doing, right? But one thing that, or a couple of things that resistance training gives you that cardio doesn't, increases in strength and muscular power increases in muscle mass, increases in lean body mass, right? So yes, your your bones can become more dense from like walking and running because it is a stress. But if you have an extra two, three, 400 pounds on your back, like that's a stress too. Like your bones have to get more dense. So lean body mass, like I'll give it to you that it's also in in running, but not to the extent that resistance training can give you. Either way, you don't really see long distance runners and i'm talking like very long distance runners who are like jacked right Mm -hmm. you you because it's not what the the stimulus is but you do see sprinters weightlifters like strong people that are jacked because they have resistance training in their programs random question for you what up so obviously if someone's an athlete they would want to be doing sports specific training does every sport, in your opinion, have some type of like strength sport specific training, or are there some sports that don't benefit? Like, do distance runners not need to do it at all for like super long distance? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, so I, I think that that's uh, a really good question that will get a lot of answers depending on who you're talking to. So, first thing you asked about, like, you asked about sport specific um, training. So. If you look at like a um, a kicker, right, uh, for the NFL, right, their sport is to kick. Some trainers, some strength and conditioning coaches will just mimic that movement with like bands or weights, right, because they think sport specific. Like if I can get you to kick with this band or with this weight, it's automatically going to transfer to kicking a ball. Right? Uh, and we, I think... Obviously, I can't say we've come to consensus because there's a difference between uh, people if you ask them. But what's specific to every sport? Strength, power, speed, right? Like in no sport do you want to move slow, right? In no sport do you want to be weak. So when you look at it like that, I think the answer becomes like yes, because even long distance runners have to have the uh, the ability to 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 hold themselves for long periods of time. Now there's another problem that comes with that as well, because if someone comes to work with me and they say, Hey, I'm a long distance runner. Uh, some people will go, cool. You are always in the 
low intensity, high rep range, because that's all long distance running is, right? Super low intensity for long periods of time. I'm going to train you by doing 20 reps of uh, rear foot elevated split squats so that we can get your body used to that. The problem is they're already doing that so much. So when you look at the spectrum of like repetitions, they're all the way off to one end and they're not even touching strength, like just raw strength and, and one RMs, three RMs, five RMs. So what you'd want to do as a practitioner is say, you're obviously very good at this. You have a lot of strength in this. We need to build that other side because what it's going to give you is uh, strength, right? So you can do other things outside of it. But how it translates to your sport is like the ability to kick when you're at that final stretch, right? If you're like always at this super low intensity and you don't have the power and strength to be like, it's time to move into third gear, then you're never going to win that, that final sprint. But like, if you are like, we're going to do three RMs, we're going to work on hypertrophy sets. We're going to work on, you know, all, all this strength, then it makes them a better athlete and it makes them better in their sport, but just on those rare occasions when they might need to, to use it. Got it. So just to make sure I'm hearing correctly, it's you want to consider their sport. That doesn't yeah. mean you are mimicking necessarily what they do, but in some cases working on making them a better balanced athlete. Yes. Makes yeah. sense. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I mean, think about it. You're already so good at what you're doing and you're already doing it for 14 hours a week because you have all these long runs. Why am I going to spend these next three hours of the week doing the exact same stuff? Like, we don't have to. You're already doing that on your own. Let's work on like your balance. Let's work on um, weighted jumps or just jumping in general so that you can absorb that force because it's something that like you don't do. Um, but yeah, so that that's kind of, that was like a long answer. Uh, but it's a, it's a convoluted question. Yeah, that makes sense. Sure. I guess in my mind, I was like, I feel like you train differently based on your sport. Yeah, definitely. I think it sounds like a terrible idea to just make a kicker repeatedly do a movement on that leg. That sounds like right. a terrible idea. But I yeah. could imagine there you would need to activate some things and have balance and train someone for the the sport. Yeah, and, and I mean, like it's you know, people think of let's let's keep kicking as it's it's like a it's one movement, right? It's your right leg or left leg, whatever your right leg swinging. But if we can increase the strength of your plant leg, right? If we can teach you how to transfer power between your hips or keep them stable, like that's going to also increase your kicking power. So it's not that you should just get better at kicking, but you should be getting better and focusing on the things that make up a kick and make up a, a human movement, things like that. So very cool. So is there an ideal way to kind of you established it's important to have both of these metabolic pathways, but in your opinion, is there an ideal way to make sure we're doing both and we're getting the benefits of all of this? Yeah. Wow. So I recently published this. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that this is why, um, I, I, I got into this research. Um, it's called cardiometabolic resistance training and, and it's really like, a, a, a mixing of resistance training and endurance training. Um, and it, it's something that I think people kind of inherently do sometimes. So like a CrossFit athlete, right, is moving weight for a certain amount of time. Like that is cardiometabolic training. 
if you're doing like heavy carries and stuff like yeah you are having weights and you're doing it for long periods of time that's also cardio cardio metabolic resistance training um but that's that's all it is is like uh you know there there's that old joke where it's like uh, oh cardio you mean lifting weights faster like yeah that's that's kind of the the best way to put it is because if you are increasing the amount of reps and i'm talking like 15 20 25 reps where you're doing work for about a minute two minutes and then you're also decreasing rest times, right? This is all going to fall within the realm of cardiometabolic resistance training, but it's also going to give you the benefits of lifting and endurance. Because you think about it, like you're working at a higher capacity. So your percent VO2 max is higher, your percent heart rate max is higher because your heart rate is a lot higher when you're doing more work and less rest. Your, uh, epoch is going to be higher because you've put so much energy into this that you are also going to need to spend energy to get back to homeostasis. Um, All those metabolic stressors that I talked about, like lactate, whether in the uh, anaerobic or uh, aerobic energy expenditure, like all that is going to be higher just because the demand is so much higher than doing maybe three reps and then taking five minutes of rest, right? Like you are putting more work on you so you are going to have to compensate in some way. And this is going to lead to deeper breaths, higher heart rate, um, and like more sweating. So it's just metabolically a lot more work than something like a power lifter might do. And that's how you would mix those things. Very cool. So all fancy science things aside... <laughs> what would this look like in practice for someone? I feel like I have a, a little bit of an idea because thankfully that's how you programmed my training. You never told me to go run, which thank you very much. <laughs> uh, but ha- what does this look like for someone who doesn't have experience with cardiometabolic training in practice? Yeah, I, I think before I start, I kind of want to ask both of you then, like what what from what I explained, like doing something with high reps and, and low rest, like, what are things that you've done that that fall into that category? <laughs> I was like, uh, is Nicole thinking? Go ahead. Um, I mean, I guess, so when I kind of think of this, um, like today, for example, my workout was four different, I guess, like stations Mm -hmm. And within each station, there was three or four moves that were all higher reps, either like body weight or resistance bands or lightweights. And it was kind of just, you went through these three or four moves for about seven minutes and then you went straight to the next station you maybe had like two minutes of rest and then you did it all again those moves for seven minutes would that kind of be this yeah yeah yeah. so cool, i think cool. yeah so, so you're right which is which is why i asked uh that's like circuit training right uh-huh. it's like the easiest way to explain it circuit training is exactly that where you have a minute or two, you know, you said seven minutes, it seems like a long time. Um, but <laughs> it was like an extended period of time, right? Where you're mm-hmm. doing work with resistance stuff, whether it's like battle ropes or even resistance bands, mm-hmm. even body weight stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's all resistance work. 
and then you're doing it for long periods of time, very high rep, just because you have a lot of time. And then you go to the next station and you have, you know, 15, 30 seconds or two minutes, right? Something much less than the movement that you were doing though. And so that definitely falls into, into that. Um, I don't know if you have like a different idea, Brooke, or. Well, I think mine is similar. It's like, uh, timed basically essentially like timed supersets where you get a little bit of rest but it's really not enough to fully recover and you kind of alternate back and forth yeah yeah yeah. and so when you have less time to recover like obviously what happens like your heart rate goes up Mm -hmm. right your oxygen demand goes up so you start to breathe heavier and then we get more metabolic stress which is like why you might see increases in uh, lactate which is you know what we use to to check in, in in my study because it's just like easier than saying like how many hydrogen ions are moving like we have no fucking idea um <laughs> but but that's that's pretty much what it is right is that if you can do uh circuits or like you said supersets um all you're doing is increasing the amount of time you work and decreasing the amount of time you rest mm-hmm. so when we look at um, linear periodization, which I think is kind of like the bedrock of strength training, where you have 12 weeks, let's just use 12 weeks, and four weeks of that is going to be muscular endurance, four weeks of that is going to be like a hypertrophy phase, and four weeks of that is going to be peaking for strength, like very standard uh, linear periodization model. That first four weeks where you have muscular endurance is kind of inherently cardiometabolic resistance training because you're doing stuff 15 to 20 reps like you're trying to get high volume you're keeping the rest times low and so for that four weeks your main focus is building capacity building volume so that when you transfer to the next four weeks you can focus on decreasing the amount of reps increasing the rest and then trying to get stronger and then you do the same thing from there so whether we know it or not, if you are on like a basic linear program, you do it at the very beginning. Um, when it comes to like undulating periodization, where it's just like, you know, instead of it happening in four week blocks, you have like endurance, hypertrophy, strength, and then deload. And then next you move into your next block. It would just be that one week where you are having really high reps, really low rest, um, and then going from there. Now, what you all talked about was like circuit training, which is like, I, I'm not a huge fan, but just because like, because it's so close to cardio, I'm like, this sucks. Uh, and I'd, I'd rather <laughs> just move into like, just lifting heavier things. Um, that is cardiometabolic resistance training, because you are spending three to five minutes doing a lot of work, or even just a, a minute, right? And then taking 15 seconds to rest, go to the next station, and then keep going. So I know, Brooke, for you, I uh, I think I like to program reciprocal supersets, but that's because that's what my research was on. Um, and so all that is, is it's high reps in one movement. And then before you take a rest, you're taking high reps in the opposite movement. So it's really easy to throw in that at the end of a workout where you do like, you're going to superset bicep curls and tricep extensions, right? Because yes, you are allowing your biceps to rest when you move to tricep extensions, but you didn't stop working. So like you still had no rest, right? And then from there, you still get very short rest and you move back to 
the biceps and then that goes with the triceps um the research that that i did what did we pair together oh i'm i'm gonna get i'm gonna get reamed if i don't know my own study uh, <laughs> but what we did is um oh yeah so we look at a hex bar deadlift paired with a leg press because that is a pull supersetted with a push and so anytime you you like deadlift it, it's it's a lot of work right and then you deadlift for 15 reps like that's a lot of work and then you yeah. move immediately into a leg press which is 15 um obviously like the the load is at like 50 percent of your one rep max because you have to be able to go back and forth like you need to do this for three four sets you can't be at 80 percent, you can't be at 75 percent. so you know you have to be able to to play with the volume but all you're doing is that back to back with another superset so we had chest press supersetted with a seated row right because you're going to push your arms forward and you're going to pull your arms back and then what we did is after that we had a lat pull down and then a shoulder press because you're pulling down and you're pushing up and so with that research specifically, what we found was that there was a significant difference in percent heart rate max, percent VO2. So you're working harder. The lactate was was a lot larger, uh, was significantly different. I don't know why I said a lot larger. Uh, and pretty much all the things we look at to, to see whether you're working harder were higher. And of course, that makes a lot of sense because you're doing more work with less rest compared to traditional where you would just do one set you would take two minutes another set take two minutes so even i think we did see that there was no difference in rpe so it was still a lot of work but every really everything we looked at aerobic energy expenditure expenditure anaerobic energy expenditure all of that was way higher um, significantly higher in the reciprocal supersets group compared to the traditional so there's like a lot of ways that you can play with that because it doesn't just have to be deadlifts and leg press, right? You can do RDLs and squats. You can do, you know, push-ups and uh, like dumbbell rows, right? As long as you're like supersetting something in the opposite movement and then keeping rest a lot lower. Um, but yeah, I think we, we, my buddy Zach Meng just got our, his uh, PH pha paper done um and that's just a specific type of circuit training so all you're doing is pairing a lower body with an upper body lower body upper body lower body upper body and that's your circuit so like the fancy name is peripheral hard action but think about how many people already do that where you're like okay i'm gonna push i'm gonna pull for six minutes and then i'm gonna take two minutes off so that's more of like what you did nicole right mm -hmm. where it's like i'm gonna do work 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 then take a break um, so there's like all these fancy terms, uh, and of course we have to be able to like categorize it in science, but we do it like mo most of us kind of, kind of do it already. Um, so there's a, a lot of ways that you can, you can implement it. Um, you know, once, once my study is out mm -hmm. for everyone to read, you can go and read it and then look at the, you know, the, the actual program that, that we used, um, but at the end of the day, it's just about pairing something with an opposite movement and continuing to do to do work. So it doesn't have to be this like super confusing thing. I'm going to hang it up on my fridge row and be <laughs> such a proud 
proud little mama bear. <laughs> yeah, okay. She's gonna be like, thank, thank God this is published. She wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. Like, okay, cool. I did. I did. Um, I did go back and look at at, at my my data before this because I was like, oh, I want to make sure I got everything right. But uh, I was looking at the differences in lactate uh, between men and women, and I remember laughing because men men have so according to this study, right? Men have higher lactate compared to women. Uh, and I remember when I was writing, I was like, well, it must just be like a sex thing. Like males just produce more lactate or women tend to have more type one muscle fibers. So they're able to deal with, with oxidative work a lot better than men can. Uh, but then one of my reviewers, uh, Bree and, and Roberto were like, oh no, men are just bigger, dude. They just have more muscle. And it was like, oh, like I wanted that, I wanted that to be so novel in my study that I was like, in this thing, it's different. Uh, but you know, we can't point to to it being a sex thing. We can just point to, you know, they have way more muscle mass. If you have more muscle mass, you're going to create more lactate. You know, you're going to be able to do more work. There's going to be more um, byproduct. So it's not it's not like sex specific, which is kind it'd of be a cool drag. though. But it'd be cool to f- see a follow up study where you're looking at individuals with women who have more muscle mass than men and like, see if it changes the data. Yeah. I w- but it would be so hard to find like a, like 20 people, 10 of which are girls, 10 of which are boys and then are men and women. Uh, and then <laughs> all of them be the same weight and then the same muscle right. mass. Like that, it's crazy. And then you also have to- Or if you could to, be similar enough. I don't know. Yeah. Data's so specific though. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And then you would also have to be like, hey, have you all trained the same way? Mm-hmm. Because let's say, uh, so I will say the girls tended to do better and tended to hold up better during our study. Um, but I think when you think about it, girls tend to do higher rep, lower rest workouts than males do. Uh, I don't I don't know like why. I think it's because you can, if you look at like 90% of influencers, it's like, you know, you want to do this for three sets of 10 to 15 to tone and blah, 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 whatever. And it's like kind of in, ingrained in, in the, I guess in our society that like you don't want women to be like big and beefy. So you don't want them to lift heavy weights. So they tend to kind of stick to lower weights higher reps um booty and bands. so what'd you say yeah yeah <laughs> booty bands booty exactly <laughs> uh, team what, what did i say i don't remember well, i don't want to be part of team flat ass anymore you said your ass was concave yeah, i did say it was concave yeah that was funny <laughs> well i'm a thick bitch now so it's <laughs> it's good uh but yeah, so they tended to do better just because Isn't that a they're... Lizzo song? Sorry. He's a recovering flat ass. Yeah, yeah, that's what I should do. Re- <laughs> I'm a recovering flat ass <laughs> addict. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> this is our support group. Um, but yeah, the, the women who, who tended to do that kind of training, their RPs were like, yeah, this, was, this wasn't this was like all that hard because they were like used to it. Whereas 
the males who were like, yeah, I only do like three, five RMs. Okay. Well now you have to do, you know, six different exercises where you're doing 15 to 20 reps. Yeah. Good luck. Like that goes back to the, the training thing where if you are always on one side, as soon as you get to the other side, it's going to be much more difficult to do, but you're also going to see a lot of benefits if you stick to it. Um, so yeah, it would be like a super hard study to to get together. But if anyone has the the money to do it and the time to do it and to pay these people for it, like that would be, I'd love to to read that. So mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> <laughs> so much yeah. info. Yeah, a lot of nerding out. Do you have any questions about like that stuff or anything else? No, I just think my biggest concern is how I don't move my body as much as people before me did. And it just, it worries me. <laughs> I mean, I, we really should be worried. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, I work out on a regular basis and I mean, I get up and move around, but is it enough? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm convinced my, my maternal set of grandparents, that's why they're, they were so healthy Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. they didn't stop. They were adorable. They would put on their little workout outfits and go to the gym <laughs> together. And they – no, yes. it was the cutest yes. thing. Like they they would go do all the machines. They had this like circuit they would do because they were – I mean, they were doing this in their like 70s, early 80s. Hell yes. And they would do this little machines and then they would go get on some type of cardio equipment. Like Mimi always did the bike because her, her knees are bad mm-hmm. and granddaddy would get on the treadmill and they'd like sit next to each other or walk next to each other. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Their goals. But I think that yeah. that's why they've been so healthy is because they didn't stop. And that seems to be the key. Well, that's why I want to like buy a farm. <laughs> and like that's where I'm going to live. Okay. So I can just like take care of the farm. And that's you know, it seems like extreme. A- yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah. how worried I am. Well, I mean, you could also just, you know, exercise more. You're like, no, fuck it. I need chickens to wake bench me up. Press. Yeah. I need <laughs> press bay, I like need, hay, hay bales. Yeah. I need a pig. No. I want pigs. Yeah. I, th- <laughs> I think I think you're right, Brooke, though, is that like, think about how many people are like, I can't wait to retire at 65. And then they retire and then they do like nothing. And then mm-hmm. five years later, they're like dead. You know, because they just like didn't do anything. Um, and I know, like I said, my great grandpa was like, like, like 92 was like bailing hay for, until pretty much he died. Uh, all of my and this makes me very angry that all of my great grandparents lived to be like 90 plus. I really don't want to live like that long wow. of a life. Uh, You're but it's gonna. like it's in my <laughs> genes, too. And I and I know that like the the universe is going to be like. No, we know you hate life, but we're going to make sure you live to like a really long time. And I'm going to be like, okay, cool. Thanks. Well, were all of the, were all of your grandparents neurotic like you and went to school for 15 years? No, but they were neurotic and took care of farms until they died. So That's I mean, true. you know, you just choose your, choose <laughs> your path, also, I guess. I'm mad at you because I asked you this question earlier and you did not give me that advice of exercise more. You said you didn't, there wasn't like not really an answer. I- 
I mean, I think the it's like it's like inherent that you should exercise more. So you, you just like more, so but... <laughs> every hour I should go for like a ten minute walk. Like what are we yeah. talking about? Yeah. So I used to give like corporate talks, uh, and that's like a great strategy. Is uh, when you were like in an office, right? It was like mm-hmm. you know uh, make sure you go to the waterfront on, on the other side of the building, or mm-hmm. you know something that's like not as close to you, or um, after every meeting, walk outside for ten minutes. Like yeah, of course. But if you are like working from home, then it's a little more difficult because you have less structured time. Let me go to my kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like, and I walked into my kitchen and I got more baguettes. So like, okay, well, that's not, that's probably not too great. But like taking time, like I get annoyed at my watch because, you know, if you don't move enough, it's like, oh, it's time to move. But like, mm-hmm. that's probably a good thing that you should listen to, whether it's just walk outside for five, 10 minutes, even if it's just standing in the sun a bit kind of pacing around and then coming back inside like that's going to help break up not only your day but it's going to mm-hmm. help you from just kind of getting used to sitting for prolonged periods of time get a dog that helps yeah. they make also you that. get up and oh. do stuff uh, and go outside. well y'all know my streak with dogs okay like, oh my god oh no I it hasn't it hasn't been good so i'm i'm waiting a minute oh, okay shit. <laughs> oh my god Thank so you sorry so sorry to bring it in here Sunday but, night depression i have uh, forgotten about that you oh. forgot about my trauma I, I, i'm so well, sorry you dog yeah, sit I am and so, do the same thing so sorry that i forgot about it but you know, I can barely remember what I did yesterday. Um, and it also just makes me sad. So I just like, you know, push it down. I'm like, you're yeah, happy. It's you okay. can't, you can't deal with yeah. sadness. Don't process this. It's okay. Yeah. But I mean, I totally agree that having having a dog really does keep you active. And I definitely miss that. But that's why, you know, go walk Carter every day. Say hello to the choo-choo. The choo-choos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, look, puppy's doing doo-doo. Okay. Gotta pick this up. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, cool. But yeah, so thank you I for guess. sharing all that, Row. That was super yeah. interesting, and we're super proud of you. I can't believe we have so a published proud. author on the podcast. Hooray. Yeah, I, I'm gonna ask for a raise. I'm gonna ask for a raise. <laughs> like, here's five dollars. Here's zero dollars. <laughs> Please, we just like Venmo podcast. him a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that the the main takeaways for for this is that like. You can get heart health benefits. You can get cardio benefits from doing resistance training. So if you really like to do that and you really hate to run, add in a couple days where you're just doing like circuit work or high rep work and low rest time so that you do force your heart to work a little harder. Um, I know that some people believe that, you know, you have to lift heavy in order to gain muscle mass, but low to moderate weights have been shown time and time again to increase hypertrophy, especially if that's not what you normally do. So if you do take a training block where you are normally lifting very heavy and you're like, hey, I'm going to go to the other side, high reps, low rest for a a couple weeks, you're going to see increases in strength more than you probably have been seeing in, you know, the past couple weeks or months. Um, But you can build muscle with lower loads. So don't be scared to kind of back off and just do higher work. And that uh, cardiometabolic resistance training adaptations include the same as running would. So increasing your aerobic capacity, especially if you don't do a lot of exercise anyway. Um, And then also 
the benefits that come with resistance training. So the main thing there is that if you really like lifting weights and you really hate running, then do this because it'll make your life a lot more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't run, guys. (laughs) Solid. Before I sign us off, make sure to follow us at Health Unfiltered Pod on Instagram. That's Mm -hmm. where where we post updates about new episodes when they drop. Um, Also, sometimes behind the scenes of recording. And we want to hear from you. Let us know what you think. Give us your feedback. And let us know if you're depressed that Roe is team flat ass too. No, 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 no,